0: Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 and Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. for Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. And also, uh, they have a fabulous service department to uh, protect the vehicle. That includes, you know, routine maintenance, oil changes, things like that. You know, they take her quick, efficient. All right. So it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots, 11 and 15, in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Um, we'll give you the Penn State test results in a moment and a My Little Pony story but first our play-by-play call of the day
0: and again the pitch from Barnes swing and a line drive into left to base hit one run is scored DD coming around third he's being waved to the plate and the throw is not in time Alec Bohm has won it A two-run single to walk them off here in the bottom of the seventh. The Phillies down to their final strike, and boom, strikes for the Phillies. 6-5, the final. The Phillies win it in walk-off fashion. What a game.
1: Scott Fransky with the call on the Phillies Network with Larry Anderson clapping in the background. Uh, Alec Bone has uh, been what they hoped he would be. He He has been terrific at the plate. In the field, he's a little scary, but at the plate... The only people that are afraid of the pitchers. He's been terrific. All right, uh, what do you want? Uh, Penn State test results, or do you want the My Little Pony story?
2: I'm really curious about this My Little Pony story.
1: Okay. My Little Pony, as in the news, is one of the nominees to be into the Toy Hall of Fame. So back in the day, now as you know, every year we have the magic radio, Right. Of course. Children get, a, children get a chance to talk to Santa on the Magic Radio. That is an 80-year tradition here at this radio station. Obviously, this is not the only place I've worked in my lifetime. So about 40 years ago, you know, maybe 39 years ago, whatever, the radio station I was working at here in State College decided they would have Santa on the radio. Now, we we had a guy that was Older, all right. Even older than what I am now. Older. So they said, "Look, uh, we need to talk to you for a second I said, "Yeah, sure." What you need? They said, "Look, I know you're not supposed to be on, but like, could you be on and co-host it because you're the only person in the station that has children?" I said, "Okay." So in other words, you know what the toys are. All right. Okay, I could do that, sure. So I guess this must be about 38 years ago, say, so because you know Mike was little at that point, so Mike was like five months, and Jim was like two years. And so I'm hosting the show with this guy, you know, and let's go to the, hey, here's here's little Matt calling from Seals Grove, right? And one child after another is asking for My Little Pony. And he goes, oh, my, you want a pony? You want a pony? Ho, ho, right? After the third kid, and he says, you want a pony? He says, why does everybody want a pony? And I looked over and I said, oh, Santa's such a big kidder. And I said, of course Santa knows about my little pony, right? And I described my little pony. I, says, <laughs> I said, Santa always thinking big. I said, always wants to deliver the huge gifts to the child, but you know, as Santa knows, in the end, only a certain size of toy can fit into Santa's bag. We can't actually put a pony in there and thus my little pony. Oh, Steve, you're so correct. (laughs) I just sitting there Well played. I'm just sitting there like I just bailed your red jacket out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
1: It's a true story. Oh my God! I says, oh, Santa's such a kidder.
2: Good thing they had you. Uh,
1: well, I, they, like they said, they said to be honest with you, you're the only person on staff that has children. I said, okay. I said, I completely. I said, I completely understand. I'll do it. Okay. It's only for an hour. <laughs> for the period August thirty uh, first to September fourth, Penn State Intercollegiate Athletics conducted nine hundred twenty COVID nineteen tests. 48 were positive. This uh, represents a 5% uh, positivity rate for Penn State Athletics and set in motion many of the established protocols. Based on these results, Penn State Athletics has paused team activities for several programs and initiated standard isolation and precautionary protein, uh, uh, precautionary quarantines. Uh Now, it should be pointed out, football is not one of the programs that has had to stop. Football has practiced all week so far. They practiced yesterday, and they practiced on Monday. All right? So uh, part of the protocols established in the return to campus is that individuals with a positive test have been assigned to isolation for 14 days. They'll be retested at that point. In addition to isolation, contact tracing procedures have been implemented which includes quarantine and testing for those individuals. All right. Uh, So there are some programs that are not practicing for Penn State right now because the teams have been quarantined. Football, though, is not one of them. They have continued to practice. All right. And this is not a surprise. This This is a story I've been expecting for about 10 days. All right. There you go. All right. So let's talk about college football. Let's talk about testing and so forth. Let's bring in Brad Edwards, ESPN. Hello, Brad. Great to have you back. Hope you and yours are safe and sound.
3: We we are well under the circumstances. Um, trying to enjoy, you know, what college football we have. I know that um, it's a little bit more difficult where you live because I'm sure a lot of your listeners feel like their team should be playing too. But um, just just happy to to see games at this point, even though <laughs> – didn't have very many competitive ones last weekend.
1: No, didn't have a lot of competitive ones, which uh, wasn't really a big surprise. Uh, but to this point, teams that have played have come out of the games because you see post-game testing and the results—they've come out pretty well. How optimistic? I mean, does it does it lend any more optimism because those have been the results so far? Those results, not the score results.
3: Right. Uh I don't think so because I still I still think the biggest challenge um is on campus. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's the interaction with the other students and I think that's where the biggest danger has always been. So, uh you know, how far do you have to get into into the semester before you you start to feel more confident in that? Uh I don't know. Um, you know, we, we know that uh despite whatever regulations uh are put in place that you know 18 to 23 24 25 whatever ages they are on campus these days yeah. um your olds are going to they're going to act a certain way and uh they're not always going to follow the rules and uh most of us didn't when we were that age either <laughs> so there's only so much that we could complain about it but um but yeah I, I think that's that's still the big thing and look for, for as much as you can look at some of the positives you also look at uh, you know a few a few games in the big 12 that were you know, push back this week, mm-hmm. um, and and mm-hmm. you can still do that right now. But we're getting to this is this is a, about the point where that has to stop. You know, like like much further mm-hmm. into this month, you start having a, a lot of uh, positive tests, and, and of course, at that point, you're not getting rid of non-conference games. Now you're starting to get into conference play, and you're running out of open dates, and uh, it's going to happen. The the question is when it does. Right. Is it going to be a forfeit for the team that can't put a team on the field? Or is it going to be, you know, no game? Just, just you know, you just end up at the end of the season with some teams having played more conference games than others, and you base it off win percentage? I have no idea what they're going to do.
1: For the first time in 132 years, Notre Dame is going to play a conference schedule. Uh, this may be the only time over the next 132 years they do it. How interested are you as to how they... Handle that. If Notre, if Notre Dame, for example, is eight and three, <laughs> what does that say? Uh, if they end up being, you know, and they beat Clemson or whatever, what, what's your interest in what they're, how they're going to handle that?
3: At the moment, I, I don't really make too much of it. I don't think it changes a whole lot. I mean, I'm, you know a bunch of these teams were already. On their schedule, or even some that were added, you know, are teams that they've you know played in the last few years since they made the arrangement with the ACC. it would be it'll be very different if this were the Big Ten, you know, that they were suddenly joining for a season. But they they've been playing the ACC teams for about half their schedule for sure. a few years already. Right. So so th- there's nothing that's really unusual about it, other than that they're going to have the ACC logo on that field and i would assume on their uniforms somewhere as well right and uh and you know of course they'll be playing for a conference title and that's going to that part's going to be pretty cool um it, it is uh i think it's going to be more interesting given that the acc doesn't have divisions this year to right. see how that that plays out kind of in big 12 fashion where it's just the two best teams but you know given that uh that notre dame uh, has to play clemson in the regular season you know you if you look, if you, if you beat Clemson, you put yourself in a great position to make the conference championship game. Um, if you don't beat them, then maybe you're at a disadvantage going against someone who didn't have to play them. I don't know, but, but to me, to me, um, it's it's not going to really be unusual unless I see Notre Dame taking the field in a conference championship game. No. That that'll be the point where it be like, okay, this is really weird. Um, I, I just because of my job, I watch so many games. Mm-hmm. And, and because the game moves around on the schedule, I'm not necessarily going to notice that. Oh man, Notre Dame didn't play Navy this year. Notre Dame didn't play USC this year, right? Um, but um, but yeah, certainly those are big changes if you're a Notre Dame fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no there, no question no question about that. Um, when is there an opening in the college? I mean, look, there are four openings in the college football playoff, but there are obvious favorites to this. Uh, But there's no Ohio State or Penn State. Um, There's no Oregon out there. Who are you interested in that could maybe step in there and suddenly maybe take the three, four spots or the four spot because there's not a Big Ten or a Pac-12 team there?
3: Yeah, I think that most fans around the country should be rooting for someone to go undefeated in the American because that's going to put the committee in a position where they're going to have to make some sort of statement. Now, We also know that part of this is that the SEC has added two conference games. And because the SEC, everyone's playing 10, assuming that, you know, everyone actually plays all 10, Mm -hmm. you would think that the second best team in the SEC is going to have at least two losses. That would, that would stand to reason. I would think the odds are overwhelmingly in favor of, of that being the case. And if you're looking at a two or three loss SEC team versus an undefeated American team, uh, it makes it more difficult for the committee. Sure, you could just sit there as an observer, observer of football and say, you know what, the SEC team's better, and that's what our job is, is to get the four best. But at the same time, you also know that, man, if you don't take the, the team from the American in this situation, you're, you're pretty much making a statement that they're never going to get in. Because if they can't get in when the Big Ten and Pac-12 right. are involved,
1: that's a good point,
3: and they can't get in over a two- or three-loss team from the SEC, that's not a conference champion, then. Then you're not ever going to put them in, and and I think a lot of people already suspect that's the case. I think most people suspect that, but that would really um, be laying it, you know, out on the table for everyone. And and so I I think that's really the most fascinating situation for the selection committee as far as uh, as far as it involves, you know, the, uh, the the conferences that aren't playing and and what that might do. I think there's some other fascinating scenarios that kind of open up in the event that one or more of those conferences decide to start playing and start you know later in the year than everyone else has.
1: Right. What about the atmospherics? I'm watching BYU Navy, which obviously it got out of hand early, and Navy, of course, can't throw the ball, so falling behind is not great. But there literally was nobody. There. Now, yeah. Southern Miss and South Alabama had some fans at their game, uh, some. Uh, Memphis had some fans at their game, some. But what about the atmospherics? How interested are you to see how, even though it's traveling, it's going to feel like it's a neutral situation in so many ways?
3: Yeah, so the, the, I think the first question is, you know, what kind of impact does it have on the game? Yeah. Now, I- as much as, you know, it, it certainly is different, uh, especially on TV, to see so many empty seats there. Um, And if you're used to watching teams that are playing in front of full stadiums, and Penn State's certainly on that list, I mean, whether they're at home or on the road, it's usually a packed house. So for their games, more so than than, than a Memphis, if you're a Memphis fan, you're probably used to watching <laughs> their okay. empty
1: seats. So, that is true. So it's not as
3: jarring. Yeah, it's right. not as. And, and look, and I would say the same thing is true for. I mean, pretty much anybody in the in the the Sun Belt or Conference USA. Right. Um, that, that's even though their stadiums are smaller, that that's still a pretty common thing. So it's probably not going to affect them in the same mm-hmm. way. But but I think for um for for the bigger teams that that are either used to having a really loud crowd behind them or they're used to going on the road and there's nothing that gives them more pleasure than shutting up 100,000 people. Right. You know. Um I think it's going to be weird whatever side you're on. And so while while I can point at let's just say uh Georgia at Alabama and say wow, what a break for Georgia to not have to to face the crowd in Tuscaloosa. I still think for most of those Georgia players, that's something that's pretty fun for them. You know, the mm-hmm. opportunity to go in there and make big plays, hear them all go silent. And so if you're one of those teams, whether you're home or road, I think it just feels weird. And I'm not sure that it really is as much of, of, of an advantage to the road team or disadvantage to the home team. It definitely is some to take the crowd out of it. But I, I but I think for the bigger teams, it's just really weird for both of them.
1: And then there's obviously the broadcast part of it too. Um, how do you how have you felt in watching? I don't know how much Major League Baseball you've watched, but between that, some of the NBA, some of the NHL, they piped in noise. How have you felt? Uh, how would you feel about that? With college games with piped in noise?
3: Well, I think some of it's being done not not by TV, but it's being done within the stadium, like right. over the that's, over the loudspeakers, and true. so it's obviously picked up on TV. And it might sound normal, but um, I think it was the Marshall game last Saturday, the sideline reporter, um, I, I think it was Katie George, I'm trying to remember who it was, um, was making the observation that that being down there on the sideline, uh, that it sounded not quite what a normal game would sound like. But there were enough bands spread out through the stands that you had, you know, cheering coming from all directions. It wasn't like it's all, they're all packed in you know one kind of home team area or right. a visiting team area, especially. Right. Um, and and because the band was there, and even the band was more spread out, you know, because of the, it, that, that allowed the the sound of the band to maybe expand a little bit more because of the way that they were seated and so I think especially when you on TV when you hear the band playing in between plays it it really gives it that college football feel and so hopefully as we're watching on TV if we don't see a lot of shots of of empty empty seats and I would think that we'll probably see very few (laughs) overhead shots of the stadium um, this season um, it, it might not sound as weird as it does for you know, for some of the the other things like NBA, you yeah. know, where where there's just – it's just nothing.
1: Brad, one final question before I let you go, and that deals with opt-outs. Anybody who opts out because of COVID, they'll never get a single syllable of uh, criticism from this. I completely get it. Yeah. But, for, you know, there's been a lot more talk, though, about potentially highly drafted players opting out for, quote, professional reasons. Even in college basketball, you go one and done, you're still playing. If you're LaMelo Ball, he didn't play college basketball, but he went overseas and played. Can college football players, in your opinion, afford to take 19 months between games, not play, and, still, and, and, and then get to the next level and be as productive as maybe they, you think they can be?
3: So, I think there are two questions there. One is the what you just asked, uh, you know, can they be as productive at the next level, especially in their rookie year? and And that's something we'll have to wait a little bit longer to find right. out. But what we are going to find out sooner is will it affect their draft status? Yeah you know, because you can already see some of the mock drafts that are out there, and we'll be able to look in I don't know if it's late April or may whenever the whenever the draft. Ends up being who knows it could get pushed back further than that. Sure. based on what happens with you know Big Ten, Pac twelve, et cetera,
1: and the Cleveland chamber but, um, and the Cleveland Chamber of Commerce.
3: <laughs> yeah, so so uh, I think that you know that, that it, that's going to be really fascinating to see the, the players, especially the ones that seem to be pretty much locks to go in the first round. Yeah. um do they still end up going in roughly the same spots after not playing this season, especially when there are other guys who are out there who are playing and, and are, you know, theoretically upping their stock. Right. Um, if, you know, if we see a majority of these guys end up still drafted exactly where, where they were expected to go, Then it certainly opens the door for this to become a much more common occurrence in future seasons, where a junior, redshirt sophomore Mm -hmm. is like, you know what, I'm just going to sit this one out, and you know, the the evidence shows that I'm still going to get drafted, you know, where I would have. Mm -hmm. And and then I think it comes down to, okay, then when those guys take the field as a rookie, you know, how do they play? I I think if if they don't play well, or it takes them half a season to really you know get in the flow then then i think you might see the the draft uh the draft positions of guys like that change the following year if they take right. that same approach but 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 yeah I, but i but i i think it will be fascinating to see where these guys get drafted and if it doesn't seem to affect much and we we know this is that for the guys who've chosen in recent years to sit out bowl games it mm-hmm. hasn't affected anything right so, um, now this is a much bigger deal. You're talking about not playing a whole season, right. right? but yeah, it's possible. This could become a trend.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about I mean, you said a bowl game, you're sitting out eight months as opposed to 19. Right. Uh, right. And that, that's, that's a big difference. Brad, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Great work as always. I always enjoy your work.
3: All right. Well, thank you, Steve. And I, I, I hope you guys <laughs> find some games to enjoy. I know it's tough to get into them when your team's not playing, but, yeah. uh, it's, It is still football.
1: It sure is. Thanks so much, Brad.
3: Okay, take care.
0: When other dealers can't get what you want, Sunbury Motors Hyundai is going strong. While others are leaving you in the cold, the deals at Sunbury Motors Hyundai are in. Up with, with the, the sizzling, sizzling start, start to September, September. Sunbury Motors Hyundai is committed to selling 20 new, new Hyundais by September 14th. Just listen to these deals. 2020 Hyundai Elantras starting at only seventeen five. 2020 Konas as low as 21 642 2020 Tucson's from just 22 5. The deals are hotter than the inside of your mask. And SMC has the vehicles you want in stock now. Remember, all new Hyundais come with America's best warranty. 10 years, 100,000 mile powertrain, and 5 years, 63 mile base warranty. See why we say, if you want to have a fun day, you have to drive a Hyundai. They're doing whatever it takes to sell 20 new Hyundais by the 14th during the sizzling start to September. Sunbury Motors Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury.
3: Sunbury.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: All right, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Matt's all upset because everybody gets into the NCAA tournament. He doesn't care what uh, programs get dropped. No,
2: not quite there. Just kidding. Too many teams, but I get why we why the uh, the money's there. I get the money part. This is nobody wants to see three hundred fifty teams.
1: Well, this is a one-off though. I mean, can't you accept a one-off just to get some quick cash?
2: I guess if I have to. I I just still think it's just still too many teams.
1: The bottom line is that the, your idea of the purity of sport, which is a noble one, uh, has to be bagged. Sometimes temporarily for the good of the order. For example, uh, Clarissa Crowell is going to be one of the guests tomorrow on the Penn State coaches show. Well, she coaches softball. Well, I mean, she'll be the first to tell you. Look, you know, whatever you know, cash comes in. I mean, her you know her program can't sustain itself. I mean, she would never tell you that in a million years. But she has a program because of because in collegiate sports. I don't advocate socialism in anything, but in but in sports I do, <laughs> because it's it's a. And here's the reason why: because it's a singular business. Right, it's a singular business. Sports, in other words, you divide up all the money in the NFL for the national TV money. Why? To give because. Because the NFL is a is a singular business with thirty two uh, separate um, divisions of the business, so they make a national deal. They divide it up because everybody has a chance to be competitive. Because competitive means it's good for the business. Now, if you and I wanted to start a rival football league to go against them, we could do that uh, because the NFL is not. Football. It happens to be a business in football, and you can, you and I, and somebody else, we can start two or three other football businesses against them. Now we won't succeed, for obvious reasons. Okay, we won't succeed for obvious reasons, but we could. Same thing in college. Look. Penn State's able to bro- broker and be a part of the Big Ten and get deals for their football and basketball coverage, which then allows them to play softball and baseball and everything. Else. We've talked about this a million times. Uh, so because we've talked about this so many times, we don't have to really get too in-depth on it. Um The Sunbury Motor Studio, by the way, is getting a real Penn State Network workout these days. <laughs> um It's just the way it is these
0: days.
1: (laughs) Uh. This place has been uh, worth its weight in gold, including this show. But, you know... uh, but that—I mean—that's the way it is. I mean, it's uh, at Bucknell. Fortunately, there's a Patriot League basketball contract to get them in the NCAA. Matt, of course, would only like to see eight teams in the NCAA tournament.
2: <laughs> Just the Too conference few. champs and maybe a few others, depending on how many teams you would want in a bubble look, situation.
1: Look, man, the purity of sport is gone right now, hey. Eh? Hey, we went through a year with nothing, okay? Nothing. And that's, you have to come back from that. And because you have to come back from that, You have to figure out a way of doing it. That's why I'm trying to think, what was I talking about before? Um, See, the college football playoff, you can't do that. Um, The reason you can't is they played the college football playoff last year. ESPN made its payout. ESPN is not going to increase the payout when they already have a 12-year contract. So expanding to eight teams doesn't do anything. ESPN's not going to pay more money. College basketball didn't have a tournament last year. So since they didn't, that means the TV networks didn't have to make the payout. Well, now they've got extra lying around where they can handle three extra rounds. That's the thought process behind doing this. doesn't mean they're going to do it. That's the thought process behind it. And you're just trying to make up for lost time. That's why I know what the example was. That's why, for example, I'll give you an example of quick cash. That's why I think the NBA will expand by two teams, why Major League Baseball expand by two teams. Because I think after this year, they're going to need a way to get quick cash. And in getting quick cash, I'll give you an example. When Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, who, by the way, are back in the Western Conference Final, in case you noticed. I mean, it's been, they're the most amazing expansion team ever. Their entry fee was $500 million. That means that $500 million was distributed among the other teams, so they, they all of them got quick cash. Uh, then when Seattle, which starts playing next season, the... Um, what the heck's their nickname again? Uh, the Kraken. Right, the Seattle Kraken, right? Is that it? Yeah, I think it is. When the Seattle Kraken starts playing next year, remember the expansion fee for them was $650 million. That means by expanding by two teams, the NHL was able to get $1.15 billion into the coffers just by expanding by two teams. In other words, the league did nothing except add two franchises. Well, if an NHL team, with all due respect to the NHL, which is a fine league, can get $650 million for Seattle, how much is an NBA or Major League Baseball franchise going to command in an expansion fee? And this is the longest Major League Baseball has gone, by the way, since expanding. Major League Baseball has not expanded since what Arizona and Tampa Bay came in which was, what, 97? 97, 98, right around there? So they haven't expanded in over 22 years. That's the longest they've gone without expansion since we've come to this era. And when I mean expansion starting in 1960, it's the longest they've gone. Well, if an NHL team can command... $650 $650 million as an expansion fee. What's a baseball team going to command? $1.5 $1, 5 billion? 1 billion? You expand by two teams, you could get anywhere from 2 to $3 billion into the coffers, which you can spread among teams, which, of course, they've been losing money left and right just by playing games this year. That's why there's an expanded playoff. There's an expanded playoff because that's the way to make up the cash deficit. Now let's get to the NBA. Yeah, they've been playing the bubble, and the bubble has been incredibly expensive. And by doing this, yeah, it's incredibly expensive. What can an NBA franchise be worth? Same thing, $1 to $1.5 billion. Remember, Steve Ballmer bought the L.A. Clippers for $2 billion. Now Tepper was David Tepper bought the Carolina Panthers of the NFL for two point two billion. And Ballmer and Tepper did the same thing. They paid cash. Oh, think about that. Cash. They paid cash. Loan? No need. Got it on hand. Oh. Must be nice. Last person I heard talk like that's doing Shickelini football on Friday night. Oh, I've got it on hand. I put it all on, tis the law. Ah, uh, the horse lost. What? Put the other part on markup. Oh, no. Been a bad month. But Tepper and Ballmer paid cash. Now, again, Ballmer paid $2 billion to get the Clippers. the reason I use that instead of Tepper with Carolina is the NFL is not going to expand. The NFL is not going to... I mean, they'll lose money by not having fans. But they can still cover salaries because the TV arrangement with the NFL covers all salaries. If you notice that the salary cap is equal to the share of what everybody's TV money is. Have you ever noticed that? Yes. That's why I mentioned expansion for baseball and expansion for the NBA going to 32 teams because it would mean that's a quick cash way. Yes, would it dilute the product? Yes. No getting around it. But you have cities and people out there that would want to bid for these teams. And there's enough money in the tech world, as Steve Ballmer showed with the Clippers. There's a lot of money in the tech world. Ballmer was able to take his tech money, $2 billion of it, and buy the Clippers. I don't think there'd be any shortage of owners or groups of owners that would want to get involved in the sale. Now, the Mets went are going to go for over a billion. As much money as A-Rod and J-Lo have, they didn't have enough to get the Mets because there are that many bidders and that kind of money out there. The expansion fee in baseball would be between $1 and $1.5 billion. And I think you can say the same for the NBA. That's how you get quick cash. Now back to the NCAA tournament. Why for one year do you, do you let everybody in? Again, this is the ACC pr- proposal. I'm not saying it's the best way to do it. I'm explaining what they're trying to do here. For one year, they feel they need quick cash. By th- having three extra rounds, they can get three extra rounds of cash from the networks. That's why you do it. You can't do it in the college football playoff. They played the playoff last year, so there was no miss by ESPN on the checks. And they have a 12-year deal. Expanding it to eight doesn't do anything except add another round. Now, in the next round, yeah, you can go to eight. In the next round, you can, because now it would be negotiated TV-wise to handle eight, which would then reflect in the dollar value. You got all that,
2: Matt? Yeah, mostly, yeah.
1: But, I mean, I'm saying everybody needs quick cash right now to kind of get themselves back on track in the sports world.
2: I just wonder if there's a better way to do it with maybe late regular season games where you kind of treat it, like I think you had mentioned before, as kind of like a round-robin situation and you can – give and, and maybe the tv networks can pick that up similar to how like the big uh, cbs does the big 10 tournament just for an example their sec tournament too well, like if they can do something to... like that where they can make the money up that way then you don't have to have 300 plus teams in a tournament
1: you can you can do this in conjunction with the conference tournaments but remember, it's a little more difficult with the Power Five conference tournaments. Because, well, even with conference tournaments to begin with, it's a little more difficult because they already have TV arrangements for those. Hey, If you do it with your conference tournament, you're already getting paid for your conference tournament. If everybody goes to the NCAA, that's an additional check because that is That is TBS, True TV, TNT, CBS money, as opposed to Fox, doing a tournament like the Big East or ESPN right those are already separate contracts to begin with so by putting everybody in it's a different TV contract that you're under see what I mean
2: yeah that's fair I can see that
1: I mean there's a lot to think about it because what for the smaller guy for the smaller school Say the conferences decide to go with... This is college basketball now. They decide to go with conference only. Say that happens. Who's going to be hurt by that? The little guy. They make all these arrangements to get payments uh, to go to your place. And because they... You know... That's how you do it. Well, you're going to lose all that money. Like, Bucknell's going to, you know, Bucknell would get money. I mean, obviously, they just had the bus over here. But Bucknell would get a paycheck for showing up here. Okay? That money's not going to be there. And whatever other uh, tournament you play in, I mean, whatever you know, playing in conference games will make up for some of it. But you're going to lose all of that guaranteed money to play these guaranteed road games. The little guy needs to make up for it some way. You can make up for it with with a one year expanded NCAA tournament. He's going to help them too. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment on uh, News Radio 1070 W K O K, home of the Jacket and Tie. Yep, great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors here was 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I think some people wondered if uh, Penn State football practice was suspended. No, it's not. They practiced yesterday. Yeah, I practiced yesterday. They practiced uh Monday as well. I mean they've 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 had these results for a few days now. They just release them every Wednesday. All right, so um now they were not scheduled I don't think they were scheduled to practice today. As a matter of fact, I because I talked to Brent Pry this morning. Um And uh, Brent, by the way, will be on the show. Oh, good, phone's ringing. Brent will be on the show tomorrow night, and so will Clarissa Crowell, the new softball coach. I got rid of that call. It was guess who from the back office. I need to talk to you. <laughs> I think it's sick. don't you know I'm on the air? I forgot. <laughs> Just making fun of him. He's our guy. He's our guy. Yeah, they, in uh, uh, fact, that's been the pattern, by the way. For example, uh, people are like, oh, they're not practicing today. There's a. No, they didn't practice last Wednesday either. Slow down. Okay. Let's slow down. Take it a step at a time, a little deep breathing exercises. All right. At some point, though, the, the, Kevin Warren has got to step up here and um, and at least give an update on where everything is. Okay, because you can't keep leaving everybody in, the, in you know wondering what is going on all the time. I hey, it's it's impossible to be a coach or an athletic director right now because you've got student athletes saying oh, well, when when can we go? What can we do? And you know and the coaches and the athletic directors can't give many answers right now. I don't care if it's generic, but he, I think he has a responsibility in his chair, even though he's not comfortable doing it, of at least answering some questions.